Welcome to the Transparency Project on the Inside Lens Network, with programming dedicated to bringing attention to unsolved homicides and suspicious deaths. If you have a question or comment for today's guest, please call in at 646-478-0982. That's 646-478-0982. My name is Denny Griffin, and my co-host is Delilah Jones of ImaginePublicity.com. Hi, Delilah. How are you doing? <laughs> you didn't catch me off guard. I just had my my mic on mute, and I was like, "Oh, it's my turn." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I hope I hope listeners um, get a lot out of this episode, as as a lot of the other ones that we've done over the years, and it's been many years since this particular podcast started. Um, and what you'll know or what we want you to know as listeners to the Inside Lens Network is a lot of times we highlight uh, criminal cases. And some of those cases are still open investigations. But it's our intent to allow families to come on, present their information for consideration, um, we don't represent our guests. We don't claim to be able to solve their cases. And we really don't want to jeopardize any open investigations. So, you know, our guests come on, they present their own information. And while we might suggest some resources or assistance, um, we're not responsible for what they do with it. So that's just kind of the legal mumbo jumbo as we um, begin another episode. Well, thank you, Miss D. A um, little uh, unnerving sometimes to think about how many broadcasts we've done. <laughs> kind of makes it you is. think about how old you are. <laughs> oh, no, um, don't think that way, Denny. Got to think the good thought, right? Um, you bet. Today's program, we're going to talk about, in, in March of 2016, Jessica Starr died in Glendale, Arizona. Although her death was ruled an accidental overdose, Jessica's family believes her boyfriend was responsible for killing her by withholding her medications in an effort to control her. Is he getting away with murder? Dawn Starr, Jessica's mother, is with us today to discuss the case. Dawn, welcome to the show. Is our caller from area code 718, is this Dawn or is it someone just listening in? You can just say yes or no. Okay. So, Denny, we don't know whether the caller that we have on the line is our guest or not. Okay. Uh, well, I'm not quite sure what to do from here. Let me give you some background on the case anyway. Uh, hopefully, if that is our guest, she will uh, respond to us. Anyway, the, uh, Jessica was living in Glendale, Arizona, with her boyfriend. And for the sake of uh, our story, we're going to call him Pete. And Pete uh, was becoming more and more violent toward Jessica. He apparently had anger issues and so forth. And Jessica was going to leave him. And she uh, booked a flight to return from uh, from Arizona to New York. And Pete found confirmation of her flight plans in her cell phone. And that 
started a lot of issues. He canceled the airline flight, and he held her and her son, it was his son as well, hostage at knife point. And he also took away Jessica's medications to make her totally dependent on him. Um, eventually, the a SWAT team responded to the location, and uh, Pete was arrested, and no one was injured. But um, he got away fairly easily. Uh, just put on, he spent about a month in jail and got a couple of years probation. And things then deteriorated from there to the point that uh, the family believes that what he did, what Pete did, was again withheld her medications making her totally dependent on him and, and causing her health to fail, basically resulting in her death. So that's the background of the story we're going to talk about today, if uh, if and when our guest materializes. Yeah, once again, I have a caller on the line from area code 718. Perhaps you have your phone muted, or if this is uh, Dawn, can you speak now? Uh, apparently not. Okay. So, Denny, we have to make a decision. Maybe I have it muted. Let me check. There you are. Oh, ah, okay. <laughs> I didn't muted. know maybe I had it. Oh, she had it muted. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. great. Alexia Star, she actually wanted to try to do the show because she made the YouTube video. She put the evidence together. She wants to try to do the show. Um She's autistic, so she may sound unsure of her answers, but she knows the answers. She put the evidence together. She wanted to try to do the show, and I'm going to help her if she forgets anything. Is that okay? That's fine. Okay. Okay, so who who do we have in the line now? We have Dawn, and who else? Alexia. I'm Jessica's sister. Alexia. Yeah. Okay, hi, Alexia. Hi. Good morning. Um, I don't, I don't know if you were able to hear the uh, the start of my uh, opening here. We were uh, giving a little I background about uh, about your sister and daughter, and um, so why don't we start out discussing a little bit about Jessica? Uh, what can you tell us about Jessica? What kind of a girl she was? What her plans were? That type of thing. Oh, uh, she was. She was a nice person, like, uh, she was a lot of fun to be around, and, like, uh, she was, she she loved to dance, she loved to craft, she liked all these things to knit, a lot of stuff that I liked. And for, uh her future plans, did she have anything specific she was striving for, anything like she wanted to do in life that that she uh, wanted to accomplish that you know of? Well, I'm not sure, but I know, like, she had a few kids, my niece and my nephew. She was a great mother. And this uh, this this fellow we're calling Pete, uh yeah. What can you tell tell us about him? Uh, how she met him, and you know how they got together, and uh, and and what you know about him, and what kind of guy he 
is or was? Well, at first, he was a good guy to her, but, like, then, um, until, like, sorry, he, well, he was a good guy at first, until he he got um, um, on the pill with her. She was on the pill first. She was on the pill first. To go on the pills, and that's when he got abused and and then he started going on the pills, and that's when he started getting abusive. Okay, now okay, can I ask to... a question? I'm sorry, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I I just wanted to ask a question. And reading the um the list of medications that that Jessica was on through her pharmacy um, and taking every day. There's a you know heavy duty painkillers and and so forth was I'm assuming that it, since it came through the pharmacy these were prescriptions that were written by a doctor for yes. but I don't know what was her condition that she needed these um, these medications. We don't really believe she needed them, but she had a bulging disc in her spine. She had bulging disc in her spine. We don't really believe she needed them, though, but I know she had, like, a bulging disc in her spine. Okay. So, basically, she was prescribed these these prescript, uh, medications by a doctor. Yeah. Okay. Diazepam were, were for seizures. Mm-hmm. One of them is a muscle relaxer. Yeah, one of them is, like, to relax the muscles and stuff, and one of them is for sleep. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure that I was clear on that because I didn't know, you know, why she had so many different prescriptions and what they were for. But yeah, she mm-hmm. was so she was under a doctor's care for a bulging disc, which is I can attest is very very painful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I- I can attest to that as well. Sound like a hospital ward here. Everybody's got back back difficulties. Um, so getting back to Pete, if we can, was he a New Yorker? Is that where that where they uh, they met? Um, no, she she met him on like an online thing, I think. An online game. Okay, so they got together through the internet, basically. Yeah. And they stayed together for like seven years. And you say he was he was a pretty decent guy in the beginning, and when he got into the pills, that's when things changed. Yes. Correct. How did the family, uh, Alexia and Dawn, how did uh, you first become aware that he was starting to have issues, that the that the relationship was going kind of sour? How did you hear about that? She told me. She, she 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 told my mother. Yeah, she she told me that that he was treating her badly. Um, that he started pushing her. Had at at that point when she first told you that that things were uh, were getting kind of rocky, had he actually hurt her or was it more you well, know she arguments? Picture, she sent me a picture of him of a slap mark with his. Full handprint on her face. 
So he had he had become physical. Yes, he had become physical little by little. At first, it was just verbal abuse, and he started pushing her around, and then he started just really slapping her and hitting her. At that point, at that point, had she reported him to the police, or was it just between the two of them? He went to a domestic violence shelter at the time when um, we said this incident report when he um, when he actually took her pills. He, he she went into a domestic violence shelter but for some reason she left. Like a lot of women do. She stayed for a couple of months and then she went back to him. But that when she went to the domestic violence shelter, uh he had not been arrested or anything at that point. That she was just trying to get help. Right. She was trying to get help. Oh yeah, but okay. she did he was arrested. This is when he was in jail. He went to jail for that domestic violence incident when he put the knife to her and her son's throat. Okay. So he went. To, he was in jail for that. She went to a domestic violence shelter while he was in jail. Um, when he came out, she was still there, and eventually he talked her into going back to him. And point now, as as part of his sentence, when he got this uh, a couple of years probation and a few months in jail. Uh, at that point, was there anything in the probation uh, order? The judge, told, the judge told him to stay away from her and her two children until the end of his probation, which he never did. He lived with her. As soon as she went back with him, she moved right back in with him um, and her two kids. And apparently um, a police officer that um, the hospital calls a police officer. He didn't really do an investigation. He was just waiting for the autopsy report. He said the probation officer knew that she was living with her boyfriend the whole time because she said it was okay. Of course she's going to say it's okay. You asked her in front of him. You went to the house and said, oh, Jessica, is it okay that he's living here? Sure it is. Of course he's going to allow it. But the the judge never rescinded the order, did he? I mean, so this probation officer did it in, in spite of the rule? Yeah, the the probation officer thought he had the right to overturn the judge's ruling. Apparently, he thought that he had more authority than the judge because he let he allowed this. He knew that this man was not supposed to be around my daughter. Okay, I at this point now, uh, when you found out that Jessica had moved back in with uh, with Pete, uh, did you? What was your reaction? Did you I told her, try to... I kept telling her, come back to New York. That wasn't the only plane ticket that she had made. She had made several plane tickets, and he kept canceling them. He kept finding them and canceling them because they were digital. Because I was paying for them most of the time. So I would order the plane ticket online, and he would cancel it. In some because respects, I guess she was... she had through her phone. She had access to it through her phone... Because she's the one that had to, to had to use that the uh, the ticket. Yeah. Uh, so because he had that access, it was almost impossible to do anything right. without and him knowing is, about it. How was she even going to get to the airport? He had what she kept on telling me she can't leave because he has a, her medication now. I thought she was. A, she told me she was on one painkiller a day. So I'm thinking, okay, you'll be in New York before 24 hours. You can go to a hospital here. But no, she was on every six hours. By the time she would have got to the to, to the um, airport, she would have been withdrawing already 
with her two children. Had she told us the truth, maybe we could have gone there and helped her in some way. You know, let, let me, uh, I'd just like to hear your theory on this. Cause we, we mentioned, uh, you mentioned a few minutes ago that, you know, how she had been in the shelter. And then uh, when he got out of jail, she, uh, she she left the shelter, moved back in with him. Uh, a, a lot of the cases that Delilah and I have dealt with over the years regarding domestic violence, you have similar situations uh, where the woman, most of the time, uh, it's the woman, um, gets out of the problem temporarily to a shelter, moves back with the family or what have you, and then will end up going back. And a lot of people who have never been in that situation, you can't help but wonder, you know, why in the world would anyone who's being abused mentally or physically why would they go back? And I don't know if there's a clear answer to that. I don't know whether they're actually that they are really deeply in love with the person or, I, you know, it's just uh, it, it's tough for people who haven't dealt with it to try to figure out the reason. And and so many of these things end up badly. Uh, I you know, once, she just didn't want to be alone, maybe. Maybe she just couldn't handle being alone. Like she was in the shelter in one room with her two children. She felt lonely. She felt bored. She felt hurt. Yeah, I, I guess there can be a lot of reasons. Maybe someday if someone will break through that and, and figure some kind of treatment, maybe to yeah, prevent not that only, from happening. Not only do women, not only do women go back, but they usually find another abusive boyfriend. In most cases, the woman that's been abused finds another abusive boyfriend. It becomes a pattern. Yeah, you are quite correct because we see that also, that uh, they go from one abuser to another, and uh, I don't know why. Uh, So anyway, you, uh, because of the situation and the medication issue, uh, she wasn't really able to, she wasn't in a position. I was always telling her about the medicine, though. I was always telling her to get off the medicine. That's why she didn't tell me how much she was on. I kept telling her this medicine will kill you one day. It's too much medicine. Who's taking I don't understand how a doctor's prescribing this much medication at once. It's just too much. It's going to break your body down. So I was always telling her to try to get off the pill. So that's why she didn't tell me how much she was on, because I was always nagging her about it. I just thought it well, was Dawn, too much medication for a person. Was she was she also mixing any street drugs with this medication? Oh, not at all. No okay. street drugs whatsoever. Great. Great. Have all yeah, her medical reports, and there's no there's no street drugs because they took her urine, her blood. Every time she went into the hospital for asthma, I felt that because she had like really bad asthma, I felt that these drugs were giving her the asthma. Because I myself have asthma. If I take any kind of sedative. It triggers my asthma. And her asthma just kept getting worse. I felt that it was the medication. I kept telling you, you have to lower that medication. It's just too much medication, too much sedative. And unfortunately, doctors have no problem prescribing it, although I don't... I couldn't understand that. Yeah, I have a very good friend who actually has a very weird, rare rare disease with a lot of, of pain, and it's it's getting tougher 
for her to get the prescription from the doctors. It's it's because getting very, very tough. Right, right. Because they're over-prescribing to people that don't need it. Exactly. I thought she could have tried a surgery. She could have tried some. She didn't try anything. They didn't send her for anything alternative. Like, how are you well, not that, trying alternative medications? Yeah, they, they generally, they won't. But I think... Um, you know, that's that's basically the way they treat it. Just, you know, write the prescription, it give it a pill. It's not like the doctors didn't know which doctor was giving which. Her medical records were shared. So every doctor that prescribed her something saw what she was on right in their computer. So you see she's on all these medications. Why would you pile on another one? I couldn't understand what kind of doctors would give her this many sedating medications. I agree. So back to Jessica's story, were were these the medications that Pete was taking as well? Was he was yes, he, taking he taking her medication? Um he was taking her medication and his medication. He was getting them prescribed. Apparently in Arizona anybody could get any medication because he was on exactly what she was on and more. He was also on Adderall. Which is oh. he used to be on um, crystal meth, and that's one of the ingredients in crystal meth. And he started with Adderall. He started taking Adderall, and I kept telling him if he goes on Adderall, he's going to be an addict again. Because he used to be an addict years ago. He went to jail for two years on a gang-related violent charge while he was high on the crystal meth. And I told him if he takes anything that has to do with crystal meth or any drug, he was already an addict. An addict stays an addict forever. Once he started that, then he wanted more and more drugs. And then he went on the painkillers. He went on the Ambien. He went on the diazepam. He was getting all the medications she was getting without a bulging bed. So I was going to just ask that. Did he, have a, did he have a medical condition that, that warranted no. these drugs? No. No, he, he didn't. went to work on these drugs. He went to work on these drugs until he couldn't anymore. Until they were so much drugs, he couldn't make it through the day. But in the and doctors were prescribing him. Yes. He was getting prescriptions with no medical condition. Right. I'm sure he was taking one. I'm sure he said he had back pain or something, but there's no medical condition. Okay. That says a lot. That, that is, yeah, it's truly scary. You know, you can listen to the news almost every day and you hear mention of the uh the opioid epidemic and the overprescribing and, and and so forth, and this this sounds like a you know a classic example and of, uh, of of doctors. Uh, what was the old term? Pill pushers when they used to call doctors pill pushers, and uh, that that comes to my mind when I hear these stories that that some some doctors did. Did do you know if anybody like the. Uh, some kind of a, in Arizona, the state medical board Another or medical thing is review is that board. His mother was on the pills. His mother, the boyfriend's mother and father were getting prescribed pills also. They were also on oxycodone. I don't know if they were on these other drugs, but they were all on oxycodone. The entire household was on oxycodone. Did, has anybody looked into this about, uh, to the to the doctor piece of this? Uh, you know, addressing the concerns about how could these people. I've been getting all these meds. Nobody wants to hear that part. They figure if you're taking the drugs, you wanted to get high, you wanted the drugs. 
but people shouldn't have access to this many drugs. And she says the doctor says it's okay. Just because the doctor says you compile all these medications together doesn't mean you should. Doesn't make it safe. I don't know, Delilah. Yeah, and her toxicology report, none of these drugs were there. The only thing on her toxicology report was um, oxycodone and Benadryl. So where were all these other drugs that she took every day? She must have withheld all her medications. However, diazepam should have still been in a toxicology report, even if he withheld her drugs for an entire week or longer. Diazepam stays in your body very long. So I'm not understanding. I'm thinking that the coroner never even took a toxicology because it, it, it could go back months, diazepam. Right. Um, did um, did she have any open prescriptions or maybe she was cut down and they couldn't be refilled or no, they were there prescriptions? I have, I, have the, I have the pharmacy report. She 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 refilled the medication. That's what I was okay. looking for. She refilled the medication. That's what I wanted to know. They were all refilled. They were refilled on time. So where were they in her toxicology report? That's exactly what I was looking for. Maybe she didn't fill this one. Maybe she didn't fill that one. I was looking all over for different pharmacies. Because just because the doctor prescribed it doesn't mean she picked it up. Right. That's exactly what I was looking for. She picked up all her medications, and she would have complained to me. She complained to me about everything. If she couldn't get her medications, she would have called me complaining. And nothing, there were no prescriptions, or was, was there any of her medications found in the home? Um, not when she died, but when he got arrested, all of her medications in his pocket. When he got arrested in um, 2015 for um, the domestic abuse, he got arrested on drug charges because they weren't his drugs. He had drugs that weren't his. He put them all right. in one bottle, too, so they didn't even have a label on them. They were unlabeled, so he got charged with drugs. She actually went to court and told them they were her drugs. She had to go to court and tell them they were her drugs so he wouldn't get charged with the drugs. I don't know why she did that, because he shouldn't have had all her medications in his pocket. Right. Yeah, that that was... That was the question. Where, where, if you know, if he was withholding the drugs, where were they? Or in maybe he was passing in them around to some friends or something. Right, they had to have been in his pocket. Another example is I don't think that the that the coroner did the toxicology. I think that the boyfriend said, "Here's some medicines," and took them out of his pocket, and that's all he listed on the toxicology report. Because there's a um a nausea medication on the toxicology report. But there's no level. So how does the how does the coroner know she was on the nausea medication if there's zero level? Why even list it on the toxicology report? There's no level. The Benadryl had a little level, the oxycodone had a little level, everything had a level. But the, the nausea medication had no level. Even Tylenol had a level. Tylenol's part of the oxycodone though. It's not a separate medication. But it had a level. You know, there there are so many questions here that, that you've raised that uh, 
all I can think of is, is something that would be nice to get a like a Michael Dodd yeah, or somebody in there. Medical reports too, and she has fatty liver. Now the coroner has her liver in his hand. It's not like an X-ray and he missed it. How does he not see she has fatty liver? She had a scar on her lung. He didn't see that. You have the lung in your hand. How do you not see that there's a scar and mark that on the report? Because he makes a report of her heart, of this and that. Also, she did have heart failure a few years ago. I don't know if that would show in an autopsy. I'm pretty sure it would, but I, I can't say for certain. But I know for certain she had fatty liver and a scar on her lung. And he says that her lungs were perfectly healthy. Beautiful color, everything's fine. Her liver was fine. How did he not see these things? I argued with him. He did not want to do the autopsy. He said it's a waste of time and resources. He's just looking at another drug addict. He's convinced that she overtook medications because her boyfriend said she always overtakes them. So he believed the boyfriend. In the toxicology report, he only makes a one-paragraph summary. And his name is in that paragraph like eight times on his statement. The boyfriend said, and I have no reason to not think it's true. The boyfriend said, and I have no reason to think that's not true. All he is is agreeing with the boyfriend. But he did not want to do any autopsy. He didn't want to waste his time. He just thought I was an overreacting mother. And I said, you don't understand. He's abusive. He has cases with her. He said the mother's crazy because that's what he tells everybody. She's overreacting. You know, I'm upset my daughter's dead. He's thinking the mother's just upset and overreacting. A lot of mothers would. But I donated um, her eyes because we couldn't donate her organs or tissues because she was on prednisone. She was, like, dependent on prednisone for asthma. So they couldn't they couldn't take that, but they took the eyes. So the organs donating foundation talked to the coroner and convinced him to do the autopsy. But I still don't think he did it. He said, "Okay, I, I'm going to talk to them." He went and talked to them, and they said, "Okay, we're going to do the autopsy." But I don't think they did it. Another thing is is that me and my son called for an entire year. Is the autopsy done? They told us we're no, we're even near ready. Then one day I call and she says, oh, it was done six months ago. What do you mean six months ago? I called six months ago. I called five months ago. I called four months ago. I called three months ago. It's all on my call record. What do you mean it's done six months ago? So either they were too lazy to look in the computer or they knew they didn't do the autopsy. I don't understand why they lied to us for an entire six months. The whole case was very strange. For example, when I called the hospital, I wanted to find out how my daughter died. He texted me. He didn't call me. So I called the hospital. They hand the phone to him. I hang up on him. I call back. I said, if I wanted to speak to my daughter's boyfriend, I kept saying boyfriend, so they realized they're not married. This is not her husband. He doesn't even have legal rights. Okay? I'm a next of kin. If I wanted to talk to her boyfriend, I would call his cell phone. I'm not calling his cell phone. I'm calling to speak to a physician to tell me how my daughter died. Then they act like they put a physician on, and the guy is like, well, um, we try to, like, revive her and stuff, 
and we gave her CPR and stuff, and we gave her more medication and stuff. I said, sir, I understand, maybe you're in an area where people don't understand medical terminology, but you yourself sound like you don't understand medical terminology. Do you realize you said the word stuff like 15 times in one paragraph? You're very unprofessional. I, I didn't even understand him. He was dragging his voice. You know, before we move on, I, I I just wanted to mention this case, to me, seems to cry out for some further investigation or clarification of certain things. Um, we have uh, two or three members of the Transparency Project who are cold case investigators. Um, have you considered, Dawn, submitting uh Jessica's story to them to see if they can come up with any suggestions or ideas? Sure, I would do that. A lot of people also told me to send it to Crime Stoppers. I didn't send it to Crime Stoppers because I couldn't get uh, the texts along with the, with the words. Like, I couldn't explain which text was with. They asked you to upload the, the evidence. There was no way to upload all the evidence. So, because my daughter tried, she tried to um, write Crime Stoppers. She tried to submit the story. That's why she made a video. She wanted to put all the evidence in one video, because they do allow you to upload a video. That's why that was the reason she first made the video, was to put all the evidence in one spot. Because I tried to do it on the MS Word file and explain what each text was, but it wouldn't allow me to upload the MS file. So, like, to send one picture at a time and not explain what each thing meant because they were screenshots of our texts, it didn't make sense. I also have audio. Um, people started calling me. I mean, this is right after she died. He started calling everyone on her contact list, complaining to them. But he sounded fine with her dying. Like my niece said, he doesn't even sound sad that she died in the audio. He's laughing. He's enjoying the conversation. And he's, and, and he's telling somebody in, in one of the conversations, because people started asking me, what should I do? I said, record it. Now, um, a recording isn't admissible in court in New York, but in Arizona, it's at the discretion of the judge. So it could be used in an Arizona court. I said, so record it. You never know. We can use it. Um, he's doing all the talking. They're just like, well, how did she die? And he does all the talking. So nobody's trying to get him to say anything. He's doing it all on his own. But he's, like, fine with it. He doesn't even sound sad. And he's talking about her death. He's saying that they always talked about her death. She told him, if I die, um, recording I can't even find. I had this on a recording. If I die, um, cremate me and throw my ashes away. Don't, don't bury me because you need the money for you and the kids. Who would talk about that? He's saying she, he had these conversations with her all the time about when she died, what he should do with her body. I do have it on one of the recordings, but it wasn't as in detail as the one I lost, of him saying that he shouldn't, he shouldn't bury her, he should cremate her. Who talks about their death when they're only 30 years old? I doubt they were sitting in the bed having a conversation about when she died. That 
the uh, you've heard from Pete uh, shortly after Jessica died, and uh, yeah, by a phone call. Me. His first phone call, instead of saying, "Oh my God, she died," he's crying, and he tells me, "Just kept pushing and pushing me until I couldn't take it anymore." I'm like, "What? What are you talking about? What do you mean? I'm expecting a different phone call." You just lost the mother of your kids. I'm expecting a different phone call. What do you mean she pushed you? He said she was leaving me for Ronald. Ronald's her daughter's father, and that's the one he found. That when he found the airline ticket in her phone, she sent the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend, her daughter's father, the text, and told him to pick her up at the airport. He said she was leaving me for Ronald again, like because that was in 2015, and now this is 2016. Apparently, he found something in her phone again. He said, I saw it in her phone. She was leaving me for Ronald, and I had to stop her. So I'm really nervous. I'm like, I don't, wanna, I don't want him to hang up. I want him to talk. I said, well, what did you do to stop her? Then he realized I'm asking too much questions. He hangs up. Then he calls back, and he tells me um, that I said, exactly how did she die? What happened? He says that um, she went into the bathroom. The bathroom's right in their room. No, no, no. First he said she was sitting on the bed and um, happily folding laundry. Like, did you meet my daughter? My daughter would never happily do a chore. Like, he's forgetting he's talking (laughs) to her mother. Like, you're not getting her to fold laundry. And if she is, she's miserable. So he said she's happily folding laundry and he's steam cleaning. Now, the thing with the steam cleaner, I've been asking him when she got there, her asthma got worse. I kept saying, can you please steam clean your carpet or get rid of it? Because he used to have a cat there. And I'm sure that's what's triggering the asthma. Seven years, he never steam cleaned that carpet. I bought them for seven years. He never steam cleaned it. Okay? The guy never did a chore. They made jokes all the time how the mother did the laundry, how she, she retrieved the laundry from under the bed and everywhere in their room. They never had to do laundry. She bring it to the, to, to the machine. She washed it and dried it and folded it and put it back in the drawers. They never did laundry since they were there. He told me he was steam cleaning the carpet and washing blankets. Now, you're not a chore guy. Why would you wash the blankets? Why wouldn't you give them to your mother like you give her everything else? So I found that strange. I told my son, I bet you he was cleaning vomit. He had to have been cleaning vomit. Why else would he steam clean and wash blankets at the same time? My son even thought I was paranoid. No, 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 until he had a phone call with a family member that recorded it, and he said I was steam cleaning vomit. He said I ran out to Walmart and I got the, the I got the stuff for the for the steam cleaner, the soaps and everything because my son vomited. Your son always vomited on the carpet. You never steam cleaned it. My son was like, "Wow, you were really right about the vomit." So then he his okay. He says she's sitting on the bed. Um, she tells him she can't breathe while she's folding clothes. He says it's a steam cleaner, like dust came up. Steam cleaners don't push out dirt. They suck it up, or they push out steam. Steam is not bad for asthma. So he said it must be the steam cleaner. Maybe dust came from the carpet. She's sitting on the bed. She's folding clothes. Um, She says, I can't breathe. So he brings her the nebulizer, puts the medicine in, because he has all the medicine, even that. She can't even have her own nebulizer medicine. He puts the vials in, how much he thinks is fit. And she says I, she just dies on the bed. This is his first story. And he's still on the phone with me, okay? He doesn't even hang up and call me back. 
I keep questioning him. A little while later, he tells me she came out of the bathroom, leaned against the wall, um, knocked everything off on the dresser. Everything fell off the dresser. There was all the stuff was broken everywhere. Then later he tells me she leaned against the wall and knocked down all the picture frames on the wall. So now it's not the dresser. First she knocked down everything on the dresser. Then later she knocked down everything on the wall and there was glass everywhere. He said she came out of the bathroom, leaned against the wall, and knocked down all the picture frames we had on the wall. But before that, she came out of the bathroom and leaned on the dresser and knocked everything down on the dresser. This is all in one phone call. First she died on the bed, then she died knocking stuff off the dresser, then she died knocking everything off the wall, all the picture frames. Well, which one is it? I didn't bring it to his attention. I let him keep talking. Another thing is, is that my granddaughter told my son that him and his father dragged Jessica's unresponsive body out of the bedroom into the hallway and then called the MS and closed the bedroom door. So what was he hiding in the bedroom? As soon as he got there, that's the first thing my granddaughter told him. Then they wouldn't let him see my granddaughter anymore. I guess they asked her, what did you tell him when she went in? He only saw her outside for a few minutes. It sounds certainly that he was in total control. You say she couldn't even have her own nebulizer uh, uh, medications. But at that point, you you were not totally aware of of how bad it really was, right? Because you didn't know about all the medications and all that kind of thing. No. Uh, I did not know she was on that many medications. uh, uh, Doctors have to, I don't even know why they have a license. Who's prescribing all this to one person? You, you know, Miami. Well, yeah, it, it probably is. Right, <laughs> you're right. Exactly. Um, would you have any objection, or would you like me to uh, put you in touch with the some of the? or at least one of the TTP investigators, the cold case sure. investigators, to see if they can come up with some ideas for you. Sure. Uh, you know, they they do this stuff all the time, and they might see something uh, in the story that triggers something with them, or maybe they know uh, somewhere you could, uh, you know, go to or appeal to for additional, uh, for additional help. So would you like me to get uh, their contact sure. information want, to you? I also want photos, which I didn't ask them, photos of her autopsy, because I want proof they even did an autopsy. I really do not believe they did an autopsy. It's impossible they missed. I could understand you missed one thing, you missed two things, but they missed too many things. And just the fact that he listed nausea medication when there's no level shows me that he only listed the medications the boyfriend showed him. Because where's all the rest? Where's the Ambien? Where's the, where's the muscle relaxer? Where's all these medications that she filled that month on time? One so other question about the medications. Are any if, okay, so if he withheld these medications, what would be, what would happen to her? Okay. Um, she would withdraw. I mean, she would, she would go into withdrawal. Okay. Yes, yes, she'd withdraw. She'd withdraw within six hours. She was on the medication every six hours. 
because she was okay. withdrawal within six hours. But that's the oxycodone. The other medications, right. I don't know how long it would take her to withdraw, but the oxycodone was every six hours. That was the more frequent one because the Ambien, the sleeping pill was once a day. Um, the diazepam, I believe, was probably might have been every, um, three times a day. I believe it was 10 milligrams three times a day. Like, you're withdrawing a lot of narcotics. If he's exactly. holding her medication, she's... And I, okay, I felt that he didn't withhold the medications to kill her. He wanted her in dire pain for leaving him for Ronald. I don't think he thought she would die so fast. Like, maybe he thought he could hold that a little longer. I don't know how long he withheld them, but certainly more than the six hours. I don't, so, I don't think he intended for her to die. I think he intended to put her in pain for as long as he can so she'll never do it again because he was controlling. Everything he did was to get his way. He was constantly doing things to get her to submit to his, his you know, his um, whatever he wanted. Okay. One other question. Is, is it on her death certificate, is it ruled accidental Overdose? Yes. yes. It is. It's ruled, okay. it's, used, it's ruled a combination of um, overtaking medication and asthma. Because, of course, if you withdraw, even if you don't have asthma, you're going to have labored breathing. Anybody that draws, withdraws has trouble breathing, but an asthmatic is definitely going to get asthma when they withdraw. Exactly. And so, therefore, you know, she may not have been able to get enough air instead right. of instead of cause. And, and also, if if these drugs were not found in her system in the toxicology report, then why would it be ruled an overdose? It That's would, what I'm saying. In my opinion, it would be an underdose because she, she wasn't getting what she needed. Um, and the oxycodone okay. is there, but it's not at a toxicity level. So how do you think she overtook medication? She didn't overtake it unless there was an, a level that was an over level. There's no over level. Correct. Benadryl, I think... Yeah, like one Benadryl she took. Yeah, I wouldn't think that would cause anything either. Yeah. Benadryl well, Denny, do you feel like that may be another step for Dawn to take is, I guess you're going to have to have the evidence from the autopsy and toxicology reports and all of that together, but to to get that death certificate changed. Right. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, we're, we're just about out of time. I'm worried about the death certificate as much as this got a, this guy got away with killing my kid. He completely got away with murdering her, whether he intended to or not. He wanted her in pain. It's still abuse, and he got a lot of times. People, uh, men, beat up their their wife, and they don't intend to kill her, and they accidentally hit her too hard, and she dies. It's the same scenario. He got away with murder. Kate. Uh- Don and Alexia, we're we're running out of time here. I, we're going to have to okay. cut it off. But what I'll do uh, later today or tomorrow, I will put you in touch with one or more of the investigators uh, that are associated with the uh, Transparency Project, and um, and perhaps one of them will work with you and review your case and come up with some ideas 
uh, of what you can do, you know, what they find lacking or what they find questionable and, and what steps you can take to try to get answers. Will that be okay? Sure, it will. Okay, thanks so much for sharing your the, what, what I consider a very heartbreaking story with us. And uh, I'll do what I, what I promised, and then I, you uh, please keep in touch with us and let us know if there's anything that changes or any uh, progress in the case. Our okay. next broadcast will be tomorrow, August 15th at 4 p.m. Eastern, when we'll talk about dealing with the media with award-winning investigative reporter Glenn Meek. Please join us then. Thank you. Sure. Okay, thank you. Thank you.